This evening, we're as mad as hell, and we're not gonna take it anymore! Oh yes. We also follow a famous swashbuckler as he swaps his buckle swashes, good lord that's hard to say, for a slung gun. Then we round off this with a modern movie that attempts to explain exactly why you can no longer afford that yearly holiday that you so badly need. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. And excuse me. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the very professionally run. They don't make them like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> Broadcasting from St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight, we're Sunshine Radio. My name is Tosin, and I will be your host through the next hour and a half as we go through the some of the gold that Hollywood has had to offer throughout the years. And with me in the studio is the one the one solitary companion today is Sean. Hi, yeah. How you doing, Sean? Yeah, good, good, thanks. Yeah, it's like you and Sharon just keep swapping around. We last do. week, last yeah. week it was me and my me with Sharon, and now it's me and you. But it's uh, uh, for what I understand, I hear that the rumors of you guys having a tiff are totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's no no uh, no creeds. Those are rumors. Yeah, yeah, she is. I think Sharon is in Italy or somewhere like that on holiday. So yeah, it's it's good for her, good for her. So she managed to scrape some money together. We will talk about um yeah we will talk about what we what we're saying about not being able to go on holiday days with our third film on tonight <laughs> well first of all i just wanted to point out that this is show 76 we have done 76 of these things which it's still blowing my mind a bit so next week we're going to do something a little bit special if you've been listening to this show um you will have you well if you've listened to this show you know that we have a certain sort of pattern in which we do things we started doing things now we usually kick off with a bonafide classic and then we follow that up with a patient choice where we go into the hospital and we speak to a patient about the first one they ever saw in the cinema. We follow that up after that with A Hidden Gem, which is a film that we think, look, this film needs to have more people knowing about it, more people watching it. But at, unfortunately, at the moment, it doesn't have that. And we end up with an exception to the rule. A modern film made after the year 1980, which we still think this is great and can be shown at any time, any time. Um, but for next week, being a 77 show, we're going to, throw things around a little bit we're still going to be talking about classic movies but it's going to be all about sevens so yeah so if you think about the normal uh, the normal uh format of the show and if you think about a certain film that is in cinema at the moment and you think about sevens it might give you a bit of a clue what it is we're planning to do next week but next week we're going to be talking all about sevens we're going to be touching on some of our some of our favorite themes on the show that we keep coming back to. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, I'm looking forward to it. I think it, I think it's going to be good, and we might even have like ourselves a guest pundit next week as well because Sharon shall still be in. in oh, she's yeah. away for two weeks. Well, yeah, I think oh. she's coming back on Friday next week. She's coming back on Friday next week, and so we'll see. But um, thank you and welcome, and thank you for joining us. Be it on the radio in the hospital as we broadcast, or joining us on the podcast afterwards. It's actually it's. It's quite great having you guys. <laughs> it's good, yeah, it's, it's really great good. having you guys. And it's great seeing some of the feedback we get. And it's great watching uh, plays on SoundCloud and going, oh, wow, <laughs> we got 10 this week. <laughs> we have 10 people who clicked play. <laughs> it's actually really cool. So um, we said, said a little bit about the format of the show this week. We And so we're going to kick off with a bona fide classic. And uh, this is a film that, uh, Sean, I'm not sure whether you've seen it. Uh, what? Don't don't say the title, no, I won't but, take the title. but I'm um, not sure whether you have you seen. I, I, yeah, I think I saw it it's, it's a long time ago. Okay, I, I can remember bits of it. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. So it's a film that I first came across because it kept coming up in discussions. 
Like when you're talking to people, people talk about, oh, great films to watch. And then this film, the name will just pop out and people say, oh, you need to watch this film. And um, do you, and do you remember, I know time moves really quickly with technology and everything, mm-hmm. but do you remember something called Love Film? Love Film. Yeah, it was uh, It was like similar to like, um, yeah, the Now Box or something like yeah, that, wasn't it? Was, it? it yeah, was, or you, you ordered. Did exactly, you, yeah. You ordered stuff, yeah. It, yeah, Love Film was essentially what bridged the gap between sort of like you know video rental shops and what we have now when everything is mostly about streaming Streaming, and watching things online so in between that people were like oh well why do you have to bother to go out to the video rental shop get there and figure out that things don't actually they don't have the film you're after so instead love film what they had and this is what netflix started out as in america is that they would they would have essentially a whole bunch of films and you would build a list so you pay them something like four quid a month or something like that and you'll build a list of films saying, oh, I want to see that film, want to see that film, want to see that film, want to see that film. And they would send you the DVDs. So every now and then a DVD would just arrive in your in your inbox and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did want to see that film. You watch the film, you send it back, then the next one will arrive and they would be like, oh, yeah, I did want to see that film. But the, but the selection from the list was totally random. So I built this list of films that I wanted to see that people have been talking about. And this film, I always got confused with two other films uh, for ages. I always, and I think this film actually ended up on my list as a little bit of a, I think it was a bit of a mistake because I think I meant to put one of the other films on it. But when they film, actually, I was really, really glad that this film ended up on my list. So um, the the two other films that I usually confuse it with, and I think even today, I've gone to the point where I think I, I can tell the films apart, but they have some similar themes. The two other films are one called Broadcast News by James L. Brooks and another film called Working Girl. Working Girl. Yeah, Working Girl, the sort of 1980s, all kind of stuff. But those are the two films that, but I was so I remember getting this film putting it in and watching it and going this doesn't seem like the storyline I thought it was it was supposed to be but by the end of the film that when I got to the end of this film I just had my mouth open and I was just shocked at what I just watched I was like what the when was this film made and there was a huge part of me that was thinking how did they know <laughs> how did they know and this film that I'm talking about is Network Network indeed. Network the 1976 movie by Cindy, I'm never sure whether it's Lumet or Lumet. Sydney Lumet. Lumet, yeah. yeah. Sydney Lumet, who and who is, I, I really feel like I need to actually sit down and watch. We have like a Sydney Lumet season for myself because this he um, he directed They Shoot Horses Their Own Day, which we spoke about. We a couple spoke of, about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Spoke about a couple of weeks ago, which immediately just rocketed up in my when I saw that film. I was like, good. Lord, this is a great film. This is a, and he does a similar trick with this one. Like when you watch it from, I'm like, oh my word! I feel like it's almost like a, it's almost a prophetic movie about the way. Bear in mind, this was made in 1976. I watched this film probably 2008 or something, and I was thinking, oh my god, they knew. This is what happens. <laughs> this is everything in this film has come true. This is this is the world we're living in now. How did they know this in 1976? And it's a it's a satire based in a in a fictional TV show studio called UBS in America, and it's all about this guy called um, I think Howard Beale is his name. Howard Beale. Yeah, it's a character played by Peter Finch, who I keep confusing with Albert Finney. But yeah. <laughs> because I think I think when they grew older, they looked kind of alike, Albert Finney and Peter Finch. But no, this is Peter Finch, not Albert Finney, and it's he plays a character called Howard Beale. He's like this old news anchor man who has been on the studio for years and all that kind of stuff and people think he's gotten a bit old-fashioned and his ratings have been dropping so eventually they tell him um they tell him okay sorry you're gonna have to go off the air 
And when when they tell him he only has two weeks left, he goes on air. It's a live broadcast. And he tells everybody, oh, tune in next week because it's going to be great because I'm going to kill myself on air. <laughs> and he says he says he's, he's going to do that. So immediately the studio panic and they're like, oh, no, we've got to fire him. We've got to fire him. But his producer, his producer tells him, no, no, no. Look, look, this man has been with us for years. We deserve to give him a good send off. So they bring him on for one show and they give him for like, it's supposed to be like his send off show. And he gets on there and he just rants and he rails and he talks about how the whole thing is corrupt and how the whole industry is rubbish and how this is what we used to do on the news and this now this is what we're doing instead. And he just goes on this massive rant, which conversely gets the network the highest ratings that they've had. So they go, great, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to bring it back on. The guy who's his producer thinks, no, oh, no, something's gone wrong. And there's a, there's an there's an indication that he might have a brain tumor, that Howard Bill might have a brain tumor or something, which has caused this behavioral change. So his producer, who's like his oldest friend, is like, we need to do something. We need to help this guy out. We need to, we need to get him medical help. But the network is like, hang on a second. People are watching. There's a lot of ratings. No, no, no. Put him back on. <laughs> and, and they keep putting him back out because they want him to, because they want, people want to see him. So because people want to see him, we don't care whether he has a brain tumor. We don't care if there's something medically wrong with him. As long as people want to see him, we're going to put him out there and we're going to have people watch him because that's what brings us our money. And so even, so they keep doing this, even though his producer friend is really, really, really uncomfortable with it. And, there's a character played by Faye Dunaway who is um she who becomes like the new head of entertainment and she just keeps saying okay no it's all about the ratings we need to get more ratings get some more people, people watching so this is the second or I'm going to play some music uh, some I'm going to play there's no music but it's a it's an excerpt from the film now and this is the second time when Howard Beale gets in front of the cameras after his big massive rant after his rating spike after all that and this is probably the most famous scene from the film. From it, and it tells you what Howard, the kind of things he's talking about, the kind of things he's railing about, and how people start sort of like gathering around him. So it sort of builds a scene as to what's happening in network and um, what happens when Howard Beale starts, well, pretty much telling the truth. <laughs> so, yeah, here is the excerpt. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, 
I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. How many stations does this go out to? get mad. I know it goes to Louisville and Atlanta. I'm not going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chairs, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Who are you talking to, Herb? CGG Atlanta. Are they yelling in Atlanta, Herb? Are they yelling in Atlanta, Ted? But first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. They're yelling in Baton Rouge. God damn it. Get up, get up, get up out of your Son of a bitch! We struck the mother low. Stick your head out of the window, open it, and stick your head out and keep yelling and yell, I'm as mad as hell. I'm not going to take this anymore. Just get up from your chairs right now. Go to Where the window. Where are you going? Everybody I want to see if anybody's yelling. Window, open it and stick your head out and yell and keep yelling. I'm... Yep. So, so that is that is Peter. Be- oh, not Peter Beale. That's a character from EastEnders. That's Howard Howard Beale. So you get the idea of the kind of person he is, and you see that it's almost kind of like sermonizing, and it's very charismatic, and it's very sort of like. And so he starts getting this following of people who go, "Yes, he's he's right." And as I said, his friend, um, who's played by William Holden. William Holden. I was going to say yeah. William Holden. He's great. Isn't yeah, he? yeah. He's he's brilliant. Yeah. He's brilliant. I mean, essentially, the casting in this film is awesome. It is. That, I mean, Ned Beatty. Who, oh, I mean, Ned Beatty. But, yeah. Oh my God, Ned Beatty has this one because he plays the head of the. the the head of the conglomerate that owns the TV studio. That's the one. Yeah, and it's and so I feel like this film. I'm I'm not sure, but I feel that like it was almost kind of like a. At that time, obviously, TV was like the younger brother to cinema and all that kind of stuff, and it was almost kind of like peeling back the layers of this is how the TV Stations, industry actually yeah. works. Yeah, this is how it works. This is who actually owns it, and this is the kind of things they worry about. And all they care about is ratings. All they care about is what would. It, it's it, and it shows you like almost like the, especially the Faye Dunaway character because I feel she's we mentioned Working Girl yeah. so that's like an eighties movie all about women trying to make a, like a career and everything like that and I feel Faye Dunaway she represents that sort of ambitious woman woman who yeah. probably had to be more ambitious and more hard nosed and more evil executive than the men to actually survive in that world and so she pre- represents that she's a kind of like. I don't care what it is. I don't care if the guy has a mental problem. I don't care. If people are watching, we will put him on screen. And we 
So and there's it's this, all about the ratings, isn't it? It's Everything. All, it's about all, all about the ratings. All about the ratings. And it's like and essentially it's a, it's a talking about the fact that it doesn't matter how stupid it is, it doesn't matter how banal it is, it doesn't matter how much of a car crash it is, if people are watching, we will put it on TV. And it's, it's I mean I mean it's like that today, isn't it? They always yeah. go when when you look at all what's on the channel strictly and the cooking programs and it's all like viewers, viewers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think the bit that really gets me is like the reality TV things like Made in Chelsea or The Only Way is Essex. And I think this the, the, those things are the natural so the natural end point of what they're talking about in network. In network. And that's what that's what shocked me when I saw this film because I was like, this was made in this nineteen seventy six. And this predicted what we what we have now because the TV studio, the TV system, the TV world or business hasn't really changed. It hasn't really, and it's the, there's bits about it because you have like you know the so you have the Faye Dunaway character Diana Christensen who represents that. She represents that, and she represents all. And then you have William Holden playing this kind of still he's, he plays this sort of character where he's still trying to hold on to some sort of. Decency, decency or some yeah. sort of yeah, that's value exactly right yes <laughs> he's trying to hold some sort of values of things before and the, it's, it's kind of weird because even he he turns out to because he ends up with a ends up starting a relationship with um he's been married for 25 years he ends up having a relationship with Faye Dunaway who, well like an affair with her but and there's a bit where it's it, 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 it essentially the relationship breaks down over her work and over the fact that she is just she thinks about ratings nothing but that what are we going to put on next? What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? That she even goes to the point where she gets a, she gets a, a sort of like a radical sort of homegrown terrorist group and she cuts a deal with them for them to have a reality show where they were going to have, <laughs> they, which she called the Mao Setung Half an Hour. And she made a show about this because people are like, you can't, you can't give them a platform. She was like, I don't care. People are watching. And so she puts them on and they end up having, I don't want to give away the ending of what happens towards the end. But what happens towards the end, it's it's just kind of almost like, it's almost like staring straight at the audience and saying, mm-hmm, yep, look, this is what's going to happen. This is what's, this is where we're heading on oh, for, for TV if things don't change. And yeah, she, she, she does that. And there's a bit where he talks to her and he, he has this line where he goes, you're television incarnate, Diana, indifference to suffering, insensitive to joy. All of life is reduced to the common rubble of banality. And it's just kind of like, yeah, that's made in Chelsea. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's made in Chelsea. That that's a lot of the, a lot of the big shows that come out nowadays. People make them because they're cheap. The uh, you have people who have absolutely. I remember somebody says no discernible talent. The only talent is that they're willing to do anything in front of a camera, and they will find a TV studio, especially with the explosion of TV studios that you have now. They will find a TV studio somewhere. That will put them on TV because people will watch. That's right. I, I think they used to be on. One, there, there was some show where they used to. It might have been. Uh, um, anyway, what it was was I'd do anything to be on TV, and they used to do. It was like people would come on and <laughs> cover themselves in clothes pegs, or you know, stick pins up their, yeah. their nose, or things like that. And it was I'd do anything to be on TV, yeah. and it's, it's that type of thing. People will. People yeah. will. I mean, it's like the the Jeremy Kyle shows and all that. I mean, yeah. that's like airing. You know, and people love it. It's terrific yeah. range. It's like, why would you go on and say, "Ah, oh, you know, it's like, some oh, of the yeah, issues." Yeah, I, I th- yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I slept with my, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure I slept with my mother and son or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it's like that. What you say, no discernible talent. Why would you do that? Because people say, "Oh, I know that guy." Yeah, and, and and the thing is that the TV thing is just bottom line. People right. are watching. It doesn't matter whether it's good. Doesn't matter whether it's bad. Bottom line, people are watching, and I think 
for that network is a prophetic film. Yeah, definitely. I think definitely. it's such a pro- because the thing and the way it puts it forward and the way it does it, it doesn't do much preaching or anything like that. It doesn't necessarily say this is good or this. It just says this is what it is. That's this it. is this yep. is what TV is. That if you're watching it and everything like that, this this is the part you have to play in it. And I just I love the film. I I feel it's one of those films that I finished watching it and I sit down and I'm just kind of like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> whoa. And I feel I think I think I need to go back and watch it again. I shall have to I should have to visit again. Yeah, Sydney Lumet as well, the director. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's done some some great stuff really. I was looking at one. I, <coughs> I didn't realize he did the Anderson tapes, which is a film with Sean Connery. One of um, it's, like, it's about a robbery. I could I must remember that. <laughs> we might do that one. We might. Uh, I actually think we could probably we could probably have like a whole section of this show. Yep. Or we could do a couple of weeks, which is just going to be Sydney Lumet <laughs> movies. <Yeah>. Dog <laughs> Day Afternoon. Oh, good lord! <laughs> yeah. Good. This, 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 I don't think this guy made a bad film. No, it doesn't look I like do all the whiz. The whiz. Do you like the Wiz? The Wiz or the the Dorothy? He did the, the Wiz. Well, seventy eight version. Yeah, it looks like the Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. Diana Ross sort of yeah. hip hop Wizard of Oz thing. I did see that that the, the Wiz actually. I remember seeing the Wiz, and I, I can't remember if I liked it or not. I think I didn't think it was that bad. Well, I think I quite like it. I think it's quite yeah. innovative because it's the whole idea of essentially doing the Wizard of Oz, but making the story and making it into more of like a R and B thing, and more of like a more of more, with well music of black origins so yeah. to say yeah. and I, I think that they do some things in the whiz that i that i think are quite scary uh, quite, the, the 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 weirdest thing is the fact that you have diana ross playing yeah, dorothy Dian- and she's supposed to be playing like a 14 year old <laughs> girl or something yeah. but but besides that actually I, I don't i don't think the whiz is bad i mm. mean the fact is that obviously because it's coming up against the wizard of oz yeah yeah because i don't remember it as being bad yeah and it'd be interesting when I sort through my stuff in the loft, I, I've got a little book of all the films that I saw, and I've, I've oh, given yeah, them yeah, little stars. Yeah, 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 about that. Yeah, told, I'm yeah. going to find that, and I'm sure the Wiz will be in there along with Star Wars and all those others. And I'll probably think, "Oh, it gave that five stars." And it's, <laughs> it's like, like what? <laughs> yeah, you're like twenty years old, Sean. What is your problem? <laughs> what is your problem? Is yeah, your why problem? would you do that? So, so yeah, but I mean, Serpico, great film. Yeah. Oh, good. Look. Serpico. Yeah, I think I think That's I might need to go stuff. back. Yeah, I'm because I think the first time I actually even saw him. At I knew him as a as an actor because yeah. he he acted as well. And then I found no 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 I'm thinking of Sydney Pollock. Yeah, you're, yeah, Sydney Pollock. I'm thinking of Sydney Pollock. Scratch that. No, Sydney Lumet. You need to go back and actually have a look at some of the things. When I'm looking at some of his early stuff. The Pawnbroker. Have you ever seen that with Rod nope. Steiger? Great nope. film. I think it won Oscar. Really, really good film. Failsafe. Nope. Henry Fonda. <laughs> that's a good movie as well. The Hill. Another Sean Connery film. Oh, oh, that's Who's, a black uh, and white. Yes, black movie. and white. Yeah. yeah. Well, so's a pawnbroker and. And failsafe, failsafe is uh, a film where they like send the bombers over to Russia. Really? And, yeah, and yeah, Henry Fonda, he's the American president, and they send the bombers over to Russia. Well, first of all, a bomb, there's an explosion. Yeah. So they send the bombers over, and when when they reach a certain point, failsafe, they can't can't return. And oh yeah, of yeah. course, it's all it's yeah. Oh, so it's kind of like a sort of political injury. Real kind political, of I, and I think that was remade with um, old George Clooney's remade that recently has he or a few years ago but yeah no that's a great we, we should, look at these look at them <laughs> silly limit oh yeah no, honestly there's loads. It, it, it's, it's one of those things like because like when i found out about the when um nicole nicole suggested um they should host his don't they we watched that and i thought oh my word awesome guy and then but network you're like oh this guy didn't put a foot wrong yeah and also one, one final thing about a uh, network is that it won four academy awards best actor for peter finch which i think was just totally totally um deserved best actress for Faye Dunaway 
Best Supporting Actress for a lady called Beatrice Strait, who, uh, this is quite interesting because she's hardly in the film. Really? She, she plays the wife of the producer guy, Max Schumacher. Oh, she, what, the, the William Holden's yeah, wife? Yeah, yeah, she plays William Holden's wife, who he, leave, who he leaves for Faye Dunaway. He eventually goes back to her. She's on screen for probably about seven minutes or something. And, and she got an Oscar. And she got the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Wow. Yeah, and I think and it that wasn't really followed up until I think uh, Judy Dench won one for being on stream for eight minutes in Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> but I, I remember thinking that because I remember think I remember hearing oh this one won a, a Best Supporting Actress Oscar before I watched it, and I watched the film and I was like, so who was the person who won? <laughs> because you actually don't notice it. And but I, I think it, and I think that's it because you don't really hear much much more. Um, you don't really hear much more about the about the lady who won that um, Beatrice Strain, and also he won the best original screenplay for Paddy Cha Chayevsky. Chayevsky, yeah, he was he, yeah, Chayevsky. Oh, wow. Chayevsky. And oh wow, and Peter Finch actually died before the ceremony where he won. Yeah, I was going to say Will, William Holden looks a bit aged in it as well. I think yeah, I seem yeah, to remember. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were quite. But I mean, it totally it actually worked for the performances. But I mean, Robert Duvall was in it. What? what Robert Duvall? So yeah, yeah. Robert. It, it did. As I said, it does. It does have an awesome cast. Yeah, it does. People in just sort of like tiny roles, just in the background and stuff like that. Oh, and oh no, that's it. Says it. She was yeah. Um, British straight. That's Louis Schumacher. She only occupied five minutes and two seconds of screen time. Wow, and that's the, is the shortest performance to ever win an Oscar. That's crazy. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah, I know. It's it's absolutely crazy. It's a good like, trivia question. Yeah, yeah, fu- yeah. I, mean, I think Judy, Judy Dench is the second. Is the second. Uh, but um, Sean, have you got a quiz for us? Yeah, I have. Funny yeah. enough, saying yeah. about trivia. Yeah, so we talk about trivia and all that, and what I say, network. If you can find it, track that film down. Awesome film. So here's Sean with his first clue. In what is going to be a couple of clues about what a, a movie legend? A movie legend, yeah. A movie legend. And we've got to try and figure out who this is uh, before the end of the show. Feel free to play along at home. This is probably quite an easy one. Okay, born on September the 16th, 1924, she was named the 20th greatest female star of classic Hollywood cinema by the American Film Institute. A well-respected actress, she has only, but she has only been nominated once for an Academy Award. 1924, you say? Yes. So if she's still alive, she's 92. Okay, cool. We'll come back to that. We'll come back. Uh, well, I know the gears in my head are running, and I hope the gears are yours are running as you listen to this, trying to figure out who it is Sean's trying to talk to us about here. Okay, cool. And I like it. A woman. Thank you. <laughs> All right, cool. So that's that done, and we'll come back for the more for more clues. But now we go into the section of the show, which we call a hidden gem, which is a, a film that maybe not many people know about, but we think deserves your attention. Sean, you have picked, you've picked the hidden gem this week. What is it? I have. Okay, this is a um, uh, um, Errol Flynn film. But he's he's normally known for his swashbuckling films, but in this, I think he makes a wonderful cowboy, and the film is Dodge City. Oh, Dodge City. Dodge City, yeah. All right, cool. Before we go into Dodge City, let's have some music from Dodge City to hear what the music from an Errol Flynn Western <laughs> sounds like. Obviously, I wouldn't be surprised if I hear a couple of clashing swords. <laughs>
Yeah, and that is a that is a soundtrack suite from the movie Dodge City. Yeah, by Max Steiner. I, th- I think I did an exception to the rule Adventures of Don Juan a few weeks ago. Uh, Max Steiner did the music for that as well, so there seems to be a, a bit oh, of a theme. Exception to the rule or hidden gem? Um, they were a hidden gem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Adventures of Don Juan. I was like, that's Earl Finney. He didn't make any movies after 1980. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> At least no movies I will be talking about. Okay, cool. So, Dodge City. Dodge City. Okay, this is um, Errol Flynn as a cat. As I say, most people remember him for for his swashbucklers of Michael Curtis. He's got the same. He's got the same uh, director for this film. Yeah, Dodge City. And basically, it's a film starts off with a railroad, and it arrives at this. Oh, town. So, so Michael Curtis directed the Errol Flynn and swashbucklers yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He directed oh, okay. in um, uh, Robin Hood. Oh yeah, and Seahawk. Ah, and, nice. And all those those the, films. So those obviously classic ones that he yeah. made his name with. Yeah, yeah, those classic names he made his name with. So anyway, it starts off with the railway that arrives in Dodge City, but it hasn't got it hasn't been named Dodge City yet. And they're mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, what should we name this this place?" And well, why don't we name it after the man who founded it, Colonel Dodge? So yeah. So you've got this big scene where all the townspeople, what a great idea! Let's call it Dodge City. And then it flashes to Errol Flynn riding big sweeping landscape you know typical western theme with, with the music <laughs> yeah, going right up your alley <laughs> yeah and they sort of ride and they find these these group of well they, they're obviously going to be the baddies that have been skinning buffalo and mm-hmm. so they confiscate everything um, and then it flips to Dodge City itself and it becomes a lawless town basically it's like a cattle town it's a lawless town there's, there's big shootouts everybody mm-hmm. I mean you've, and you get what I love about these movies is you get the the not, lovely colourful sweep says Dodge City, you know, eighteen seventy five. Yeah. Become you know the thieves and robbers and all sorts of things, and it's just it just shows a few scenes of big shootouts and yeah. bar fights and that that you find in the western. Um, and then you see that Bruce Capot, who plays the the bad guy, he he sort of buys cattle and he's taken over the town and and does dodgy deals and yeah. And then uh, Errol Flynn, he's been he's bring, brings a wagon train in of people and. It gets a little bit mixed up, he's, but they ask him to be sheriff. They say, "Look, we need someone. We need a sheriff to. <laughs> we need a sheriff to sort this town out." And he says, "No, I don't really. You know, I'm not not really interested." And he's had a couple of run-ins before with this this uh, Bruce Cabot, the character played by yeah. Bruce Cabot. And there's a scene which reminds me of of Clint Eastwood spaghetti, where. He's in the barbers, you know, like they always seem to have a always yeah, in the oh, western. Oh, oh. They always have the barbers shop where they're having shaved. a shave. Yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah with, with the blade and he's getting and shaved, and then the the baddies will walk in, you know, through the door, and so you've got um, uh, Errol Flynn's mate Alan Howe having a bath, and. 
they say, oh, you know, oh, you know, I have a bath every this time. Tell them to get out and everything like that. And you've got old Errol Flynn leant back in the, the barber's chair, you know, and the old barbers start shaking with the with, the razor. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of like, oh, you know, no, don't, don't, don't worry about that now. And he sort of gets up and puts his gun on and says, well, you know, he's paid for the bath. He's got that. And so there's a little bit of a face off there. So the tension always starts to, the st- tension's starting to build up. Yeah. And they really like him. And his, his, he's got a mate who gets a bit drunk, starts a bar fight. So uh, the baddies and his goons, they arrest him and because they practically run the town, you know, there's like yeah. no sheriff as such and they're going to lynch him. They're going to hang him because there's always a lynching, isn't there, and a big mob. Going, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and especially in those days, you know, with, yeah, but, without yeah. a shooter. <laughs> yeah. Because so. I always think it always seems that that that's that, those are it, it sounds like you know a sort of archetypal Western story. Yeah, you have yeah, a town, it it's yeah. lawless, and then some guy comes in and somehow becomes a sheriff. sheriff. Like, that's whether, it. Yeah, whether it's, by it's hook just... or by crook, or he has to, or either like he becomes the sheriff, and it's about him trying to sort of sort of the sort the town out so, and all that. That's right. Yeah. So so anyway, there's this guy. So an Errol Flynn just happens to come along and rescues his mate. And that's when they ask him to become the sheriff. And he says, no, I'm not really interested. I don't want to be sheriff. Mm-hmm. But then there's like one Sunday school and there's a, a, a wagon load of children. Yeah. And there's like a big shootout across the sh- street and a little little lad gets killed. So, of course, you know, then the old music goes, and he goes, okay, I'll take the job and opens up the sheriff's office and stops him. You know, this is the theme. No guns this side of town. And they're going, oh, but I need my guns. You know? and they got, <laughs> so you've got these jails full of people all going, and he's got his mate, his, his mate as well. He says, same applies to you as well. And he goes, oh, wait, you're not going to leave me here. Right? You can't do that. I'm your friend. He goes, yeah, you're going to be the same as everyone else. Five days and $20 fine. So so he's got this big jail full of people. And gradually, it sort of calms down. Yeah. But obviously, they want to, you know, the bad guys, they kill a newspaper guy. They, and... Um, Olivia de Havilland, who's like the girl, is, is a witness. So oh, yeah. obviously they want to the kill her. And they grabbed the, the guy who shot the, the newspaper, guy. newspaper guy. And they've got him in jail. And of course, all the townspeople are up. You know, there's going to be another lynching, you know. We're yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. We're going to. Because you get those in Westerns. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> so they sort of take him out and they, they smuggle him out in a, in a hearse, like. But of course, he gets the, the bad guys, goonies, come along and, and rescue him and you know it ends up that way but uh, it's just it's just a really really enjoyable film for western and i think errol flynn makes a, a really really good cowboy and he actually made seven westerns yeah seven westerns so he's made quite a few westerns so for all understand this is the first one he made yeah this would be the first western it, this would have been after uh, robin hood yeah it, so. it was the first western he made and obviously as we said that he is known for swashing his buckles and all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. and it's um, and he, apparently he was quite worried about how the how the audience would take him as a cowboy. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't yeah. know that. Like yeah, he was oh, wow. he was worried. He was like, oh, I'm not sure this is going to work. Uh, but the film was such a hit that that's why he ended up making loads more films yeah. in the, in like loads more westerns because people were just kind of like, yeah, yeah, we buy him as a western. <laughs> I guess Robin Hood is kind of a cowboy. <laughs> yeah. Is. The one the one thing you haven't got in this western though is a typical shootout. You know, with the two gunfighters. That's that's oh, standing there, yeah, they're standing there, just waiting, yeah, standoff with their guns. Yeah. To, so <laughs> that that's actually not in this western. Normally in western, as well as the lynchings and the the, the trains and the shootouts, yeah. you normally get a, a you know gunfight at the end, don't you, between yeah. the two? <laughs> so, but that that that's that's not in this. So that's uh, but as I say, as as a as a cowboy, I think he really really makes it in this. You know, he he plays the part really well, mm-hmm. and he's got all his standard 
people. So he's got like Alan Hale Jr. who plays his mate and mm-hmm. Big Boy Gwyn, as he was called. And and they're in, they seem to be in all these films as well. A bit like John Wayne, who has his Ben Johnson and. Well, it's just like his his, his troop, so, so, his yeah, troop so, that go around. With yeah, him. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's troop that are in all his films. You know, they was in Robin Hood. Um, so, well, I guess it was. I suppose being a studio system. Yeah, I suppose that's what it was. It would be the same. You know, it's the like, same cast, same people. Same guy. It's like oh, yeah. people like seeing you people together, so we're going to put you it, together. Yeah, like, it I works. Think, so I guess it's a bit like the if something works, you know, they 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 want to make more yeah, of it. They want to make more of they it. They want to make loads more yeah. of it. So it, it's a bit like, so Olivia de Havilland, because I remember when we spoke about, we spoke, I think it was a Robin Hood was because she's in, yep. she's in, she's in Robin she's Hood, in Robin yeah, Hood. she's in a few films. So, yeah, and um, you said that like Olivia de Havilland and Errol Flynn ended up in quite a few films together. Yeah. And Olivia de Havilland, you said that she said in some interviews that she was like, yeah, yeah, Errol Flynn. I did, yeah. If, if, if things if were different. If things had been different. <laughs> Actually, what's quite interesting with that, he made another film called, um, I think it was called Santa Fe Trail. Mm-hmm. And, and Patricia Wymore was an act, um, actress in it. Eventually, mm-hmm. became Ronald Reagan's wife. Oh yeah! But he had such a reputation that when it when the sort of shooting had finished, they they put them in hotels so far away because <laughs> they were worried that Errol Flynn was gonna <laughs> it was gonna you know she was like a new starlet and Errol Flynn would have like you know worked his charm or whatever. So <laughs> so he did must have had a big reputation for them to do that. Oh, having said that, there's a film that's coming out um based it's based not it's not about Howard Hughes, but it's directed by Warren Beatty and it's uh, based around the something about about Howard Hughes, which what you just said reminds me of that it's called Rules Don't Apply. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's got, and yeah. it's it's all about this new starlet who comes in and how he's just trying to bring her up and everything like that. And it's about a possible romance that goes between the driver that he hires to drive her around the place and her. And Hughes has this rule where he's like, look, nobody who works for me sleeps with a starlet. And if you sleep with a starlet, then you're fired. <laughs> and so yeah, it, sounds, it sounds a bit like so uh-huh. the whole studio system, uh, what you just said about like, you know, putting Errol Flynn and was it Patricia? Was Patricia it? Wymore. Wymore, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, putting them far apart from each other. Just, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that sounds yeah. like a studio system. That sounds like <laughs> a studio trying to say, we will run your life because yeah. we, you are commodities and we've got to, <laughs> we've got to make, uh, if it was a TV show, ratings, <laughs> it would be about that. Um, so, so yeah, so yeah, so they brought Olivia de Havilland back. They had Errol Flynn and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. In the, and, and so for it's, you, it's a lovely color. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, colorful film as well. It's, it, okay, now Sean, you're a massive, massive Western I fan. I do. I love my westerns. You, you love yeah. your westerns. You love your westerns, and I and I know that if a film's a western, you will give it a chance. And yeah. there's a there's a high chance that you're going to go, oh, good film, good film, just because it's a western. So why why Dodge City? Like if you if you think about all the westerns you've seen, and then I remember when you said you went, oh yeah, Dodge City, oh yeah, you got to put that one in there. Uh, when you were choosing films to talk about on the show, I I think this was probably I saw this really young on television. Mm-hmm. So I think I was quite young, probably. Well, I don't know how old it would have been, but that's it. It stuck with me forever. That that you know this particular film, and yeah. I think it was because it had such an effect on me so young because it was like yippee cowboys, you know cowboys. <laughs> oh, this is so good, and you know there's lots of action, um, there's lots of, of tension, yeah, and it's just you know it was just for for a young lad. It was like oh, you know it's it was a love affair with America really. Oh um, yeah, I, I think with the Western theme and the. the um, road movies. I j- just became, you know, I, I've always been an America file. I just t- totally, totally loved it from that point for the westerns. You know, I used to get the western books and read the western comics. Yeah, and, you know. So yeah, I guess, uh, and, and I guess what, the Wild West at the time, you know, was was just like uh, so far. 
and this is one of the ones that kicked it off for you. I think this was the one that kicked off the western. This this would be one that started me on my my love affair with westerns. Mm. You know, because uh, yeah, yeah, because because when you were speaking about it, a couple of things that kept, that popped out to me was the fact that I mean, it does sound it sounds quite dark. Like you're talking about like you know a kid being gilled in, in Sunday school and and just the kind of stuff that it deals with. It sounds so it doesn't sound like your it it doesn't sound like your usual sort of like you know fluffy western, fluffy western. Is, there, there are fluffy moments in it see i think the themes of that were you had you had some quite serious issues but then also they had the few comical moments you know mm-hmm. there's always like like i say this big boy gwyn who's was in all his films is like oh you know he's a bit a bit simple if <laughs> yeah, you like yeah, he's yeah, a bit, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know he always gets into trouble and he's like oh are you because i mean there is the time when he's uh he they say they want it, he wants to deputize him that's right there's a scene he wants to deputize him he's in the sheriff's office and he goes you know he's out of prison for because he wore his gun yeah and he goes no i don't want to be a deputy i don't want to be a deputy you know i'm 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 going to go off and he says okay then he so he gives him his gun he puts his gun and he says right put him another five days in jail because he's <laughs> you know he's got wait you know so in the end he does become a deputy but that's you know that's like a light moment so yeah he's wearing his gun put him back inside <laughs> you you know so yeah so those those there are light moments but yeah no there are some serious issues as well and i think errol flynn can you know I know probably he's just a Hollywood star, but I think there's moments I, I'd see in his face where he, you know, actually acts. He's actually, actually acting. Yeah, he can he's, actually he's not look just, quite serious. He's know? not just being Errol Flynn. He's not just being Errol Flynn. You know, there are a couple of moments where it's, and hey, he's a hero, you know, as well. It's like, oh, I, I could be like like Errol Flynn, either a swashbuckler <laughs> yeah. or a cowboy, you know. I'll, I'll tell you so, what, when I was growing up, whenever I watched so Western, what I was always waiting for in the Western was the massive bar brawl. That there was that's always, in there. That's there was in always there. a massive bar brawl. Everything gets broken. and Everything gets yeah. broken. Things get smashed over people's heads and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and they always have that one that sort of when they get beaten over the head, they always sort of stare blankly, don't they, for like about four seconds before and then they, they, before, and then they, they fall just fall over. over they sort of look they <laughs> smash <Ooh. laughs> or then do a little twirl as well when they fall over and yeah like, well it also the other thing that came comes to my mind is then it uh, how how traditional or western the film tombstone is tombstone tombstone yeah with kurt russell as why oh, great and all movie that. Great i think movie. it's a great film great film um it but the it's kind of like it takes the similar kind of things that you would see in a western but just updates the seriousness updates. of everything yep. and says no yep. this wasn't actually just it wasn't a lark it wasn't a lark at all mm. it was a quite a hard quite thing serious. I'll be your huckleberry <laughs> <laughs> what's the matter Johnny Ringo <laughs> looks like somebody just walked over your grave <laughs> alright cool and now we go into a second second clue oh yeah second clue second clue but thanks for that man Dodge City <laughs> I mean this this show keeps giving me more and more films to track down but uh, I'm going to have to add that to the list. <laughs> okay. In 1941, she took lessons at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, where she was classmates with Kirk Douglas. And while working as a theatre usher in the St. James's Theatre and a fashion model, she made her acting debut on Broadway in 1942. Hmm. Good Lord. This is this is a good quiz. This is a good quiz. I'm having to actually sort of like really search my memory and try and figure out contemporary of Kirk Douglas. Started off on Broadway before she went into movies. What was it 1942? Did you say? What? Yeah, 19, 1941. 1941. She yeah. went into went to Broadway. She went to Broadway. 
you look like you've got an inkling that you might. Oh, have I don't death. know. That, you're not, it's like you're not going to tell us what show it was that she was in. No, no, no. All right, cool, cool. All right, no problem, no problem. We'll go. We still have at least well, how many more clues is that? Uh, well, that was two clues. We can have. I've got two more clues. So all right, two. You can have. We'll one see. More, we'll see. More, if I don't get two. after the third one, I will plead mercy and ask for another one. <laughs> so, okay, so now we come into the bit of the show, which we call the exception to the rule. And this is um, essentially the whole idea is we look at films that are made before 1980. And we look now at films that are made after 1980 and we say, is there any time when they have actually managed to make a film that goes up to them? And some, and Sean, you kicked this off. You kicked this off trying to find a link between the first film we talk about and then trying to bring the link back or have a link that goes to the show. Thank you very much for that. It has made this a lot harder <laughs> than just coming up with random films. And so I was, and I was trying to figure out, like I was thinking, okay, for, because obviously network, a big thing about network is the fact that it is this massive prophetic film that pretty much predicts where TV is going where entertainment is going, what we as a society are going to be like um, um, further into the future. And so I was trying to think, is there any film that I can think of that has been made after 1980 that does that kind of thing? And I was thinking, oh, modern films, modern films. And I was tossing and turning about a modern film that does something similar to Network in that whole holding up a mirror to society and saying, guys, look at this. You can complain about things, but you, you have a part to play in this. this. This has something to do with you. And for the longest time, I was thinking about um, the film Money Monster. Oh yeah, with yeah. The, uh, George Clooney. George Clooney, mm. George Clooney, Julia Roberts, directed by Jodie Foster, which we spoke about, uh, I think, about two months ago on the show. We we spoke about that, and uh, even though it's probably a three out of a five film, that that I would say, and I was thinking, oh well, yeah, but if I can't think of anything else, maybe I have to go for that. Then all of a sudden, it hit me that there was a film that that did kind of what Money Monster was trying to do, like talking about. So um, Network is talking about the films, it's talking about TV and how that's working and all that. Nowadays, we have this massive financial crisis. And even in Network, he mentions it's like, you know, there's a depression and all that kind of stuff. And so you have films that are trying to make that. And as you've mentioned, George Clooney is quite good at having this whole thing about we need to have a social conscience. Yeah, definitely. In the films that we're making, there needs to be a social conscience. So I was thinking, yeah, this is kind of in the, it's, it's almost like a spiritual sort of like descendant of a film like Network. But then I thought that there's a film that does that way better when it comes to the financial crisis and everything that goes on. And that movie is, Sean, what is it? The Big Short. The Big Short. The Big Short. The Big Short. Really fresh in my mind because I saw this like two days ago. Oh, just two days ago? Yeah, I saw it when it it was released. I saw it at the movies. And I mean, I think it's a great movie, this, because it's sort of all that sort of jargon with subprime mortgages and lending and Mm -hmm. money and all that. And actually, you know, I mean that sounds pretty boring it's like you, you, or you'd think that'd be pretty boring but this actually puts it in some sort of context yeah. you know so through the film you, you get all this explanation of what it's, what it's <laughs> yeah, actually like yeah. you're like oh my god <laughs> you know <laughs> it's funny you should be because we're going to play something about that about, about one of the things so obviously it's a film that it's based on a book called The Big Short and the, the, the whole thing of short is it's a sort of financial trading term that people use because pretty much what they're doing is gambling so the, the essentially, it, it points out the fact that the entire so financial system is a bunch of gamblers mm. guessing as to whether what's going to happen, and that's where all the money comes from. Whether and so they sh- so essentially, it's a couple of people who realize, look, the housing market is going to collapse, and then they short it. So it's based on this book that goes through it and explains the financial crisis that we find ourselves in. 
this is how it happened. This is how some of those banks that you thought were massive and you thought, oh my God, you're Lehman Brothers and stuff like that. (laughs) That you thought, yeah, they're massive, they're good, they got loads of money and then all of a sudden one morning you wake up and they're no longer there. No longer. It's it's, it's like this is is what happened. This is what was going on behind the scenes that led to the financial crash and then this film does it. And as you said, by the time he starts talking about uh, subprime markets and things like CDOs and all that kind of stuff, they have all this jargon. Which, because the film is pretty, is narrated by a character played by Ryan Goslin, who is pretty much telling you the whole thing. And he's telling you, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that this stuff is crazy. I know this stuff is sort of tired. And I know that you might be thinking, oh, my God, I don't understand what's going on. So to keep you interested, and they have all these yeah, bits. that's right, little bits. Yeah, yeah, all these little bits where he goes, to keep you interested, here's Margot Robbie. The, the, like the actress Margot Robbie in a bathtub to explain everything to you. They go to Margot Robbie in a bathtub who, with like with a who's she's drinking champagne and she's explaining. Okay, now this is exactly what happens. This is what, and we I would have used that clip, but that clip is a little bit foul mouth for radio. Yeah. So we can't quite use that one. They have another one where they explain um how they took how essentially things were worthless, but they were essentially do something fraudulent where they were saying. These things are worthless, but actually they're worth something. something and yeah. they, they were telling everybody they're worth something, even though there was nothing in them. And they have it, I think it was the chef, um, Anthony Bourdain, and he explains about three-day-old fish and how we repackage three-day-old fish and we sell it to you as a new soup. And then there's a bit where they go to Vegas and they explain how, and this is because there's, this is a, it's a bit star-studded, this film. You have Ryan Gosling, as I mentioned, you have Steve Carell. And Steve Carell plays this guy who has quite a, he has quite a, He's, he's almost kind of a crusader. He has quite a sort of personal, idealistic take on, on the markets. And he's like, no, we need to do this. We need to do things that are right. And th- this is in the scene where he's finding out exactly how, because this whole film, you go through the film and you watch him as he finds out how bad the system bad, is. Yeah, I mean, there's all and sorts he, of things going uh, on. Yeah, and Doesn't he, find, he fly down to Miami at one point? Yeah, he flies. Him, goes, yeah, well, somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. He, they go to Miami because they, they're talking about the housing crisis and how many people are defaulting on mortgages and all that kind of stuff. And he goes down to have a look at that. He goes down to find out, hang on a second, and somebody's like, oh, there's a stripper. And he goes to speak to the stripper and he's like, and she she's like, and he's trying to explain, oh, no, this is what's going to happen. You, you, the, the, like essentially you are going to get messed up you're going to get stabbed in the back by the ba- banks and she's like what well, you mean on all of my mortgages and he's like how many mortgages do you have she's like I have five and he's like oh my god and he and he, I think Steve Carell is brilliant in this yeah, film he is because you just see this growing sense of panic and incredulity that he cannot believe that this is what's going on and he cannot believe that nobody's getting arrested but this is one of these bits where, that the big short has where it cuts away to explain something that's big and like it's probably a bit confusing to you and I think it does this really really well it does this about three four times in the film but this is yeah this is one of the explanations of exactly what happened with the financial crisis well here's Dr. Richard Thaler father of behavioral economics and Selena Gomez to explain okay so here's how a synthetic CDO works let's say I bet 10 million on a blackjack hand 10 million because this hand is meant to represent a single mortgage bond. Okay, Selena has a pretty good hand here, showing 18, dealer showing seven. That's a really good hand for Selena. Good odds. In fact, her chances of winning this hand are 87%. So, my odds are good. I'm on a winning streak. Everybody in this place wants to get in on the action. How could I lose, right? Now, this is a classic error. In basketball, it's called the hot hand fallacy. A 
player makes a bunch of shots in a row, people are sure they're going to make the next one. People think whatever's happening now is going to continue to happen into the future. During the real estate boom, markets were going up and up, and people thought they would never go down. So people who are watching and think that I won't lose will make a side bet. Now this is the first synthetic CDO. I love Selena Gomez. I bet you 50 million she wins. And I'll give you a three to one odds. Three to one odds? Okay, I'll take that bet. Now, somebody else is gonna wanna make a bet on the outcome of their bet. I bet you 50 million she wins. That will lead to synthetic CDO number two. Hey, I bet you 200 million that lady in the glasses wins that bet. She probably will win. So I want a great payoff. How about 20 to one? Deal. And this will go on and on with more and more synthetic CDOs. And we can transform an original $10 million investment into billions of dollars. You okay? No. I actually feel pretty sick. Yep. So, I mean, obviously that goes along with the pictures of there at a blackjack table and they're describing everything. But I think it does a really good job of explaining how the financial markets are working. Yeah. And how and it's and I think it, it ties it in because throughout the film, you see people that they speak to who um, either they have homes and then you see the actual effect of what happened on the ground. Because all these guys in the film, I mean, you have Christian Bale. He plays another. He plays another analyst, and you have Brad Pitt shows up as like a, as a bit of a paranoid guy who doesn't trust the government. Thinks that the NSA is after everybody. And but all these people, they essentially look at it, and they, in their mind, they're like, the government have been stupid, the institutions have been stupid. They've been playing a game that's going to fail. So they essentially, it's like putting a, it's like that's betting like that side bet about. Betting that that's gonna fail. Yeah, betting really? betting's so gonna fail. Gonna put money on. It, it's it's like it's like looking at uh, the uh, the championship and or like a uh, Premier League and like yeah. looking at Manchester United who uh, have been winning everything for years and so people are like they're gonna keep winning everything and we don't have to worry about what they're doing. We don't have to worry about whether they're recruiting good people, whether they're spending the money correctly, whether they actually have ten defenders or whether they all their players are rubbish. We just keep betting on them and people just keep saying yeah they're gonna keep winning and they essentially looked at them and went no this is gonna fall apart. So yeah. they started betting that that's it's right. going to fail. And it doesn't fall apart straight away, does it? It and, doesn't. And people yeah. are saying, oh, yeah, we'll have... So they're taking this money yeah. all the time, more and more money, because they're saying, no, nah, won't fail, yeah. won't fail. Yeah, we'll take your money, we'll take so, your money. So they essentially... Um, the thing is that the film goes over over like a period of about three years, yeah, yeah. three, four years or something. And it's and so people are like, yeah, we'll take your money. It's kind of like if you keep betting that Manchester United are going to fail. And so if you keep betting that Manchester United are going to fail and you keep losing and after years you keep losing you keep losing you keep losing and obviously the, the odds keep going higher and higher and higher and higher then eventually you have to the point where they do fail and then all of a sudden you have all this money pouring yeah, in yeah they do because uh, the, the, the banks they try don't they, don't they try to sort of to say oh we can't take any more and, you know, yeah, 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 so like, yeah 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 and it's and the thing about it is you just get the, the you, you, you get this sense of anger in the film you get a Indeed. real sense of anger that this happened, that this was allowed to happen, and that after it happened, because it's been widely documented, like there's a bit where the film film plays with it. It's like, and so after this happened and everything went down, uh, yeah, this guy got arrested. They reformed the way the whole system works, all that kind of stuff. Then Ryan Gosling goes, no, no, I'm kidding. None of that happened. Nobody went to jail. No, that, that's it at the end. It's yep. like, it, yeah, he goes like nobody. And so the film ends on quite a yeah. somber note that kind of says, guys, 
this is what's happening. Everybody's kind of fallen asleep and just ignored it and just let it carry on and let it go back to what it's doing. I, that, that's it. And it's, uh, yeah, I know. And, and, and it probably will. And I mean, that's sort of uh, normal people's money, really, that they play yeah. with. You know, they never. Yeah. There is, I'll tell you what, there's, there's a good true thing by um, a band called The Divine Comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, The Divine yeah, yeah, Comedy yeah. called um, The Com- Complete Banker. Have you listened to that track? No, no, no. It starts off and goes, Can anybody lend me 10 billion quid? <laughs> Why you look so sad? Was it something that I did? You probably need to, yeah, I'd listen oh, to that. Oh, track that out, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah I like The Divine Comedy. Yeah. I like The Divine Yeah, it's a good, good track to listen to. But yeah, back to the movie. I just think it shows it, and you just think, yeah, how did they get away with it? And mm. nothing, you know, and things just carry on. And Yeah, I, th- I think the, the thing that it showed them was like, if Network was like prophetic film. Film. Yeah, yeah. If, if it was, if in the big short is more kind of like, a, look, this is what happens. It's almost looking back and saying, people, this is what happens. What happens? It's almost like, we should not forget mm. about this because essentially they're saying that the big banks and everything have set up a system in which the government were looking the other way because it was being prof- profitable. Yeah. So taxes, when it, and, I guess. and so you hear the whole idea of like a oh, too big to fail. So it got to the point where pretty much the governor put the eggs in the basket of this bank succeeding. Yeah. So this bank's failing meant bad things for the country and for the world economy. So and and so the so the, they have this whole thing where in the film they're saying we should reform this. We but should, probably yeah. reforming it would mean that there would be like a really, really bad period where things wouldn't really be quite right. And so everybody's just opted to just keep things going as it is at the moment. And I, I know there's a bit at the end where, where it shows the fact that even though there was a collapse and all that, people made a lot of money. They did. People did. They made a lot of money yeah. from the banks collapsing. Yeah, definitely. They, and so there's a there's a scene where you have Ryan Gosling character and he has a he has a check for $47 million. And he's like, yeah, I made a lot of money. What, you're going to judge me? <laughs> and he's just, he's like, yeah, I made money. Yeah. Big deal. That's that's what I do. I'm a banker. I make money. I think there's a bit in the film, which which stuck to my mind. I can't remember what exactly. I think it was something about, I don't know if they used Jenga bricks or something, but there was yeah. something about, and they were saying about mortgages. About, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. it might have been that subprime thing. We'll say, okay, well, this this is a, you know, a good investment, but this, this down, lower down the ladder is, but we can make it, yeah. you know, as yeah, yeah they use they use Jenga tower. Jared, ex- Jenga towers. That's yeah, to, it, yeah, to explain to explain how the whole thing is is like it, topples. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> says like if we have enough bad stuff in there, eventually the bad stuff will fail, and as the bad stuff fails, the whole thing collapses. That's it. And they were pointing out that the entire the entire sort of like real estate industry was propped up by all this bad stuff that you just take it out, take it out, and enough of it fails, and then the whole thing collapses. And I think it's a great film. And when you talk about, like, when we talk about Errol Flynn being known for swashbucklers and making um, making a Western, the director of this film is a guy called Adam McKay, right. who is probably best known for directing Anchorman. So, you know, the Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's yeah. Ne- network. Yeah, yeah. I uh, guess tie-in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, ne- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So, like, a- Anchorman is kind of like, it's kind of like the, the comedic network. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, so, it's so, so, yeah, he directed, he directed Anchorman. And he's done, he's, he's done uh, Anchorman, the other guys. He's known for doing comedies, usually starring Will Ferrell. Mm. And he goes to this and goes to this film, which is quite... People say quite a serious film and a departure from him. He won an Oscar for the best adapted screenplay from from adapting it from the book. But but I think he does a brilliant job with this. I do. Yeah, really. And I think some of his comedic things come out of the fore because it helps you make sense of what this stuff is. But I think I thought it was a great film. I thought 
great film, brilliant, and it's it's one of those films that you finish watching and you think, okay, we need to do something about this. Yeah, you do. It really uh, makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah. You think, oh, you know, what's happening with my money? <laughs> if I've got any money <laughs> yeah, invested, you know, yeah, what's it, happening to it? If I've got any money left. Yeah, if I've got any money left. <laughs> if that must have been, there must have been so many people that... that no, it, at that time it's scary really isn't it? That the, it ruined lives and it's it's mm. kind of like the idea of how it ruined some people's lives and how some people just didn't seem to care that the that other people's lives were being ruined and I think yeah. that's that's what the Steve Carell character is there for yeah. he's there f- to be the righteously angry one, one yeah. to say this isn't right this isn't right that's uh, right which yeah. is what you need because as I say that Miami scene there, there's two guys doesn't he meet up with two guys say oh, oh yeah we got like you know, yeah. that, that, but I know back to that Miami scene, but that is a real, you know, there's like two yeah. guys say, oh, it's fine, it'd be brilliant. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Got, it's like yeah. people show up and it's yeah. like, what if they have bad credit? Yeah. We, we, we approve them anyway. Yeah, we approve them anyway. It, yeah. It's like, so what if they can't pay back? We approve them anyway. <laughs> and it's like, and we're making so much money because as long as we send people, more people to get mortgages so they can put more mortgages into these things that they call CDOs, we get paid. And and it's, it's just the look, like because Steve Carroll has this, he has this team of four guys with him. And the looks on their faces when they just when they're hearing all this, they're just like, "But, but no, that that can't work." Yeah, <laughs> they just they just look at, at, at I love that I love that group of guys because they are so sort of they're they're sort of like crusaders and they just have this look of I cannot believe that this is what is happening, that this is what is going on right now, and it's it, it's needed. But great film, great film, and I just really hope Good that cool. I hope that there's something that we can do. That uh, it, it makes me walk away thinking, can okay, ask, what can I do? Toad, what was Nice Guys like? Because I never, I never actually saw that. Did you, did you watch Nice Guys? I did see the Nice Guys. Uh, yeah, yeah the it? Nice Guys. It, well, that, 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 he, he directed Adam McKay directed the other guys. Oh, the other guys. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, the other guys. That was that with Mark that, Wahlberg. That's Mark yeah, Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. I remember the, the that Nice Guys was pretty cool. I think, especially if you like your seventies cinema, if you like your seventies cinema, your seventies detective cinema, and like seventies sort of buddy, buddy detective buddy cinema. Type, yeah. It 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 knows what it's doing and it plays around with a lot of things. There there is one particular gag I love in the film about a revolving car. One of these car shows in the seventies. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's it's like a revolving car and a shootout. Like you know when somebody's like you know whenever they had these shootouts where somebody would always run like a Starsky and Hutch yeah. and slide over a bonnet and then go hide behind something yeah. and start shooting. There's yeah, it's it's quite good. It's quite funny, and I think it's if you like seventies detective buddy movies. Watch it. Uh, I'll, I'll try and catch that. Yeah. yeah, I missed it when it was out at the cinema. Yeah, it w- but at the same time, it won't be everybody's cup of tea. But now we come on to our third and possibly fourth clue on yep. Sean's movie legend quiz. I think you should you should get it on this one. Okay. Okay. When Howard Hawks discovered her, he gave her the choice to work with either Cary Grant or Humphrey Bogart. She was very tempted to work with Grant. But Hawks ended up casting her with Bogart. Ah. <laughs> do you want the movie? Uh, or do you know the movie? Oh, uh, ah, oh good lord, good lord. Uh, uh, what's the... Uh, this? I keep forgetting the name of this movie. Um, but it's the one that has the... You know how to whistle, don't you? Line in it. You just put your lips together and blow. So, so you've got it. <laughs> so, okay, what's the name of the film? Okay, to have and have not. To have, that's it. To have yeah. and have not. To have and have not. Okay, yeah, yep, yep. Okay, so anybody who's playing along at home and you're trying to figure it out, this is your, this is your space. This is your space to you try should, and figure out if you, if you know who it is, if you know who the who the movie legend is. So I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna keep quiet for like you know ten seconds for you to think before I blurt out what <laughs> I think is the answer. So let's try this. Let's see if I can keep quiet for ten seconds. Uh, that's gonna be difficult. Ten seconds is quite a long time to keep 
keep uh, quite a long time. Yeah, you have five. <laughs> ah, so you can do it. Yeah, I'll give you five. I'll give you five seconds. I'll keep it quiet. All right, cool. I reckon it's Lauren Bacall. And you'd be exactly right. Yeah, Lauren yeah, Bacall. Yeah, Lauren yes. Bacall. What was the... Um, I did not know that. I didn't know that she ended up beside like Kirk Douglas and training with him. I know, I know. That was that was one of the things. The other clue was just about um, the hit song Vogue. She's, she's oh she's yeah oh she's, she's mentioned, mentioned in it, it. Oh, yeah and the thing is I didn't even know she did Broadway no I didn't I didn't even I well didn't until I was looking at what to do yeah I because because hang on in to have and have not wasn't she like nineteen yeah she was young yeah she was she was nineteen in to have and have not so that means that oh wow yeah and she she died in twenty fourteen so oh wow. So, oh, yeah. oh, cool! Oh, oh yeah. wow! That's a good. Well done. Yeah. You're generally pretty good. That, that was that was quite a good one. I think the last one's always a nice to give. Oh, with a, give. a nice giveaway. But yeah. no, no, I like that. But that was a good one. That was a that was a good number call. Oh, good luck. We're almost out of time. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm so sorry. But anyway, oh okay. We'll just leave you with say, um, get well soon. Yep. <laughs> get well soon. Um, uh, listen to your doctors. We hope you get out of this cinema. We hope you watch yep. some TV. We hope you watch some um films. And remember that as always, as we say on this show, they, they don't, don't make them like they used like to. They used to. See you guys and uh, have a good week until we see you next week. Bye. <laughs>